You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. How y'all? Good. It's good to see you this morning. It's good to be with you. Merry Christmas. This is going to be, I was talking to somebody um, just this weekend and they were just talking about, are you ready for the most crazy um, Christmas that there ever has been? And, and it's, it is odd. Um, it's just kind of an odd Christmas this year, but it's Christmas nonetheless. And so um, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to spend time with family and, uh, and enjoy all of the festivities and all of the, the reasons for what we do this time of year. And so in, in light of that, I want to give you a couple of announcements. Uh, April was talking about kind of what's going on with our photo booth and some different things. But uh, we started this week with our Winter Warmth Project. And if, you haven't, if you're new to GTF and you don't really know what our Winter Warmth Project is... We've done this project for about 11 years, and um, you know some some churches do angel tree, and they do some uh, Samaritan's purse, and some kind of Christmas outreach. And so we started praying about what God wanted us to do to help reach into our community several years ago. And so we we just basically came up with the Winter Warmth Project, and really believed that the Lord put it in our heart and called us to it. And basically what it is, is it was born out of a, a really bad winter 11 years ago, and we had a lot of refugees. That was kind of just whenever refugees were really starting to move into Moore County. And we had a lot of Burmese kids over at Morningside that were walking to school in flip-flops, and it was like 19 below wind chill. And so um, we knew that there's several different organizations in town that did toys, and there's there several different organizations in town that did coats, and but nobody was doing shoes. And so... Basically, that's where the vision was born out of for Winter Warmth Project is that for every Christmas, we want to do something to touch our community, the needs of our community. And so we basically, we partner with um, the nurses and the counselors on the campuses, and we ask them if they notice any kids that don't have adequate clothing for the winter months. And basically what we do is we buy them brand new shoes, two brand new pairs of pants, and two brand new collared shirts that they can all wear to school. And it has been a joy to do that year after year for the last 11 years. This year, we have 176 kids um, that we're going to be buying clothes for. This last week, we actually went shopping. We had a great team um, that helped us shop on Friday and then, then again on Tuesday earlier in the week. And so what I want to do is I want to let you know about a couple ways that you can plug in and participate in this project, two ways specifically. The first one is today... This afternoon at 3 o'clock, we're going to have a packing party. And so we need to take all of the clothes for each kid by campus and begin to assemble the packages so that we can deliver them um, to the campuses before they get out for, for winter break. And so uh, I just want to invite you and your family. It's a great service project for, as a family for your kids that they can come be a part of and really help touch the life of, of another person to volunteer some of their time this Christmas season. But another way that you can, do, uh, that you can help out is by giving. It costs about $100 dollars per package um, to deliver these to the kids. And so if you could give $25, if you wanted to sponsor two kids and do $200, it really doesn't matter. But I want to encourage you to in some way uh, try to focus the, the season of giving by giving to somebody who's in need of something that we take for granted almost every single day. And that's just basic clothing. And so I just encourage you to, to do that. You can give uh, online or via text. Um, there's some information actually in your bulletin. If you look at the bottom, you can text give. And whenever you're prompted, just give to, um, I, I think it's winter, is the, is the fund that that goes in. And everything that you give towards that, um, separate from your tithes and offering, will go straight to helping the Winter Warmth Project and funding that. And so thank you guys for helping out with that and just encourage you to be a part of that today. So today, if you'll turn your in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. 
I'm going to start a new series um, throughout the rest of the, the, the month for the next couple of weeks titled Jesus. That's it. It's just titled Jesus. And what I want to do as we go through this series is I want to encourage you as a family, and if you're single, then you and your friends or your extended family, to make Jesus the focal point of your Christmas. See, what we celebrate at Christmas is the fact that the Messiah was born 2,000 years ago. The community of faith, us, who we are, is centered around that truth. It is centered around the reality that the Messiah has come. That the king of all kings, as we were singing in worship this morning, he is here. He has come and he has made himself known to the entire world. And so as we celebrate this, I, I want to encourage you to allow that reality and that truth to uh, invade your tradition and to impact your soul. Because it's very easy to brush past the, 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 the focal point of what we do at Christmas and, and get confused and even just kind of find yourself on January 1 going, man, that was just a complete blur. Now, if, you've, if I've been your pastor for very long, if you've listened to me for very many years, you know that this is something that I touch on every single year and this is something that we believe in our home. I love traditions. We love to watch movies. We love to watch all the Christmas stuff that there is, you know, the, the, the light parades and, and going and looking at Christmas lights and going and getting coffee at Starbucks and all the stuff that comes along with Christmas. But never allow the movement of this time of year to cause you to miss the moment to give God praise, to give him thanks to make Jesus the focal point of this moment on our calendar every single year. And so that's the question that I have for you as we work throughout this series is what does making Jesus the focal point of your Christmas look like? What does that look like for you and your family? And one of the things that I would encourage you to do with your kids and your grandkids, even adults, is to take a moment and actually open the Word of God and read out loud the story of Christmas. There's actually several different stories of Christmas, and we're going to touch on several of them over the next several weeks, so you will have some ammunition in the middle of your traditions to open the Word of God and go to and read. But listen to me, your kids need to hear something more than Buddy the Elf at this time of year. Amen. And I love Buddy the Elf. We've already watched Elf one time, we'll probably watch it four more times before Christmas gets here. Your kids and your grandkids need to hear why we make such a big deal about December the 25th. It's because of Jesus. He's come. He's here. And he's available to you and I. And so, what I want to do, if you look at Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 2, we're going to look, first of all, about governmental turmoil. <laughs> That's how I want to kick this series off. <laughs> kind of crazy. But listen, the, the story of Christmas is not all nostalgia. There's a, a lot of practicality to the story of Christmas. And one of the things that surrounded the birth of Christ was governmental turmoil. And here we are in 2020, and we find ourselves kind of in the same situation where things are kind of just in disarray. Things are restless as, as, we were t as Pastor Bo was prophesying and, and ministering to us during worship. And as we find ourselves in this place, I want you to see from God's word that Jesus, at his, his first advent, whenever he first appeared, the government was in disarray in his day. And so look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. That's where we'll start. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, 
Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For, he, for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem was troubled with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, this is a quote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now here's the thing that I want you to see up front, is that In Jesus' day, whenever he was a baby, these wise men come from the east and they have this understanding that something big had happened. And they weren't weren't really secretive about it. They marched right up to the king who was ruling over the region that Jesus was in and they asked him, hey, where's the king? It doesn't say this, but I'm sure he's like, I'm the king. They're like, no, 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 no. We saw a sign in the stars. We've researched this, and there has been a king that's been born in the land. A ruler has been born, and we've come to pay him homage. And it troubled Herod. Now, why would it trouble Herod? Obviously, whenever you're king and you hear that another king has been born, there's a rivalry that begins, and it troubled the people of Jerusalem because typically that means war. And so there's this disruption and this this jostling that's happening in the nation of Israel, specifically in Jerusalem and in Herod's court because they hear the news from these wise men that there's been a ruler that's been born. Now, let's skip over a couple of passages just for time's sake, but basically what happens next is Herod kind of hatches this scheme and he calls the wise men to himself and he kind of whispers in their ear and he says, hey guys, listen, I like kings too. You guys go find the king, and whenever you find the king, let me know where he is, wink, wink, so I can go worship him as well. And so the wise men say, okay, great. And so they go off and they find Jesus, and they bring Jesus. Everybody knows this part of the story, right? They find Jesus, and they bring Jesus gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They, they bring him wealth. I've done this in the past at Christmas, and I'm not going to do it this year, but if you calculated how much money they actually laid in Joseph and Mary's lap, it would boggle your mind. They laid a, not a small fortune, a fortune in their hands, and God used it in this next season of their life. That's what I want to look at today. Okay, so look at verse 13. We skip down. Now, when these magi, these wise men departed, Mary and Joseph, so they're leaving the scene of giving them this fortune. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. He's coming to kill him. And Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Now listen to this very next part because it's extremely sad. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, because the wise men had, had kind of wised up to Herod's plot and they, they got, actually got a tip from the Lord. God sent an angel and told him, do not go tell Herod where this baby is. And so they went back home a different way. 
And so whenever Herod realized that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had been, that had been ascertained from the wise men. Then was, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah. Weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Two things real fast about that excerpt that we just read. First of all, God warned Joseph and Mary. And he funded their ability to escape the plot to kill Jesus. Understand this, that God is taking care of you. I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but as, as we prayed already in worship and as, as the Lord has already been ministering to us today, we got stuff going on, right? And God is taking care of you. God sees it before it gets here. He's going to give you the provisions and the resources and the awareness to know what you're supposed to do next. He did that for Joseph and Mary. And they escaped, but something very, very tragic happened and Herod came in full of fury. He didn't know where the child was, so he said, just kill them all. The wise men said that they saw that star about two years ago. So kill everybody, that's every male child that's two years old or younger. Kill them all. And genocide happened in that moment surrounding Jesus' birth. Now, here's the thing. Christmas is not something that, that, that escapes tragedy, is it? We go through grief during Christmas just like we do every other time of year. Grief and Christmas are not strangers. It isn't unique in our day because it was happening in Jesus' day. And this is the comfort that I think that you and I can draw from this. Not only is God taking care of us, but God is with us in this moment. He is with you as you struggle through some of the struggles that you're going through. And listen, if you are grieving this Christmas, God is with you. He sees what's happening in your life. He, 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 he longs to reach out to our heart and bring comfort and bring a joy that only he can bring in a moment of grief. See, Christmas celebration is not tone deaf to the things that you're struggling with in your life. It's actually very relevant. The reason that we can be joyful is because a king has been born. Not because we don't have any problems in our lives. And so if you're grieving at this moment, this, this celebratory moment in the year where we always anticipate what's fixing to happen and something bad has happened in your life and you're walking through a difficult moment in your life, listen, you're not exempt from celebrating Christmas this year. God wants to invite you, even in your pain, to step into celebrating the reality that he is over all. And he is a savior in your situation as well. Now look at verse 19. But when Herod died, praise God, he's done. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Jo this brother got more angels. He, he got more in his quota of angels than anybody else in the Bible, in my opinion. An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, 
was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth. So that what was spoken by the prophet might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Joseph and Mary then settled in Nazareth. That's how we know that Jesus, that's how we come to know Jesus as the Nazarene. And here's the thing that I want you to see as Herod dies, that there's this turmoil that surrounds Jesus' birth and his early life. And here's the point of what I want you to see, is that as Jesus' birth was surrounded by governmental turmoil, we find ourselves in this moment in 2020 surrounded by governmental turmoil. And I want to give you some thoughts that I have on where we are as a nation right now. I told you a couple of weeks back after the election just some of the thoughts that I have. But as, as we've kind of watched how things have progressed over the last several weeks, um, I feel like that this is a really important moment in history. I don't know that I can stress that enough. But I really feel like that this moment is a moment that's very pivotal. Much like whenever you read the story of Christmas in Matthew chapter 2, you see this, this, this king who is deposed by God, Right? And there's this, this shifting that's happening. And listen, I know that we live in a, in a country where we get to elect our officials, but the first thought that I had whenever I was thinking about governmental turmoil at Christmas 2020, I was like, of course we have that. It's like, what else could we throw in the basket of 2020 that's gone wrong, right? That's gone so weird and so wacky. Let's throw in a really weird election as well. But as you begin to kind of parse this out, listen, regardless of how you, how you voted, if you voted for Trump or, or against Trump, or if you voted for Biden or against Biden, this isn't a political statement about how you should vote. Listen, this is a statement of how historic this moment is. And as we've watched the, the election process take place over the last several weeks, and we still are in this place of a conundrum, I know a lot of people moved on, but as you watch some of the hearings that are happening from state to state, you should be disturbed. This is a moment where we as American citizens, that we should be praying and calling on God. If you're putting your trust in a political party, listen, I'm just going to tell you plainly, you're misplacing your trust. That's one of the reasons on your, your currency, it, our, our fathers and the people, our forefathers and the people who drew that up really nicely put the statement, in God we trust. Because listen, it's not a political party that's going to help you lay hold of peace and a, a purpose for your life. It's only God. And so here's the thing that I, I feel just in this disturbing moment and, and some, some clarity that I want to give you from God's word, okay? So that, those are some personal thoughts. But let me, let me tell you what the Bible says. Governmental turmoil surrounded the birth of Christ, but God's plan cannot be thwarted by the governors of this world. This is what it says in Psalm chapter 2. It says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, Jesus, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Listen, as you kind of read through Herod's story in Jesus' day, and you kind of look at what's going on in our day, here's the thing that should give you comfort. Nothing that this world does can thwart the plan of God. 
God is the one who will set his king on the throne. And I know that we don't have a kingdom, a kingdom here. We are in, under a monarchy and sometimes we have this disconnect. But listen, God is the one who specifies in the eternal realm, in the heavens and on the earth who it is that's going to be king over all the kingdoms. Governor over all the governors. And so as you watch what's going on in the world, you should not be afraid. You should be disturbed. I say that as a citizen that really cares about this country. I pray for our country. But listen, my faith is not shaken. Because I know who it is that rules over all of this at the end of the day. And it is Jesus. That's a great reminder this Christmas as we see some governmental shaking and some things that aren't, aren't solid, it feels a little bit squishy and, and it feels like the, the, the foundations are kind of shifting. The thing that we should place our faith in is that Jesus has come. He is the king. And the government will be on his shoulders. You know, that's why, as, we, as I read to you Psalm chapter 2, that's why the nations have been raging. From the day that Jesus was born... And we read the story of Herod until now. The nations have been raging and trying to cast off the government of the kingdom that will be over everything on this earth. Amen. And as you think about that, and I now want you to, this Christmas to think about that. I want you to allow that to impact your soul. You know why the nations are raging. Because the government is on his shoulders. There is this rivalry much like there was with Herod and Jesus, with the nations of the earth that are here right now. A rivalry with Jesus, who is the king over all the kingdoms. Now, it's interesting to me that government is actually one of the very focal points of Christ's birth. And so I want you to look at actually Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to read in Isaiah chapter 9. This is actually another Christmas. This is a prophecy. Almost 500 years before Jesus was born. <clears throat> I'm sorry, longer than that. It's, it's a long time. <laughs> uh, so this is a prophecy by Isaiah. Many of you know it. And I want to read this, this real quick prophecy and set this up. And then I want to actually read a different portion of Isaiah. And then that's where we'll close. So Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says this. <clears throat> For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of, the peace there, and of his peace there shall be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That is the plan of God. That's what all of this is about. That's what all of this is about. Is establishing God's government on the earth through his son, Jesus, who is now our savior. Now, what does that look like? Because as I look at the world today, I'm like, gosh, Jesus, it'd be really great if you sat on that throne right now. What does that actually look like? And listen, regardless of whether Jesus is sitting on a literal throne in Jerusalem, which will happen, literally, Jesus will return again. We're talking about Jesus' first advent, the Christmas story. 
But there is a second advent that's going to happen whenever Jesus comes back and he establishes literally this government in the earth. What does that look like? And regardless of whether he's here or he's fixing to come, listen, Jesus can still be the, the, the one who holds your government on his shoulders right now. And it makes a huge difference in your life. I'll get to that in just a second. But I do want to read this passage. Flip over a couple pages to Isaiah chapter 11. Now, Isaiah prophesies that the government will actually be on Jesus' shoulders, on the Messiah, the son of David's shoulders. But then he goes on to prophesy actually what that will look like. In Isaiah chapter 11, there's, a, there's some imagery that Isaiah is going to use, and I want to just kind of touch on that real quick before we read it, just so that you'll kind of jive and, and run with me through this. But he begins to prophesy about the root of Jesse. He starts talking about the branch, the capital B branch, that will shoot up. Now, if you don't know who Jesse is, Jesse was David, King David's dad. Okay? And the promise that God gave King David is that he would never have someone from his lineage not reigning on a throne in Jerusalem. And so as Isaiah begins to prophesy about this stump, he's talking about the family line of King David that one day there's going to be this, this and by the way, the stump's cut off, the tree's cut down, which we're experiencing. Hey, who's the king in Israel right now? Nobody. They have a prime minister. They have a democratic, somewhat democratic process. And so this stump, this tree from David's line has been cut down, and one day soon, Isaiah begins to prophesy that there's going to be this shoot that begins to grow out of the stump. And it's Jesus. Listen to what he says. Verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight, Jesus' delight, this shoot's delight, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what, he see, what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins." The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. There shall not hurt or destroy. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I don't know about you, but I long for that day. And one of the things that I want you to see as we read this passage, I don't know if you've ever read that passage before, but this is a Christmas prophecy. This is something that was prophesied because whenever you begin to realize that the king of all kings has come, that he is here, and that the government will rest on his shoulders, this is what he's talking about. That there is coming a day whenever Jesus will sit on a throne in Jerusalem, and this will be reality. That kids will lead lions through the fields as a pet. 
I don't know about you, but that sounds cool. Your grandkids will be, get to be, be able to play with snakes. And if you let them play with snakes now, you're weird. But if you let them play with snakes then, it's going to be a different day because the bear will graze with the ox. The world will change in a moment. Whenever Jesus returns, nothing will remain as it is right now. Because the world will be full of the knowledge of God. We will know God as he knows us. There will be a realization where you find unbelief and there's this, like we talked about in Psalm 2 just a second ago, there's this anger and enmity and rage that the world has against the Lord now. Listen, it will be undoubtable in that day that Jesus is real and that he rules. That no other government on this planet can usurp his authority. Merry Christmas. I don't know about you, but that's good news. If your faith is in Christ, then you long for the day whenever Jesus establishes that government. Establishes a new house in the earth. And listen, I love our country, but this is going to be way better. This is going to be eternal. This is going to be holy. It's going to be righteous. Whatever it is that you're longing for to happen on the planet, listen, the Republicans aren't going to do it and the Democrats aren't going to do it. It's only going to be through Jesus. Here's what I want to do this morning. If you would stand with me, and we're going to take communion. And I have one more thought for us. If you need communion, if you'll just raise your hand, we have some for you. Some over here, guys. Sorry, not sorry that we got political today, but listen, I wanted you to know part of the Christmas story is, is wrapped up in the reality of governmental turmoil. And every time that you feel this movement happening in our government, listen, hmm. Anytime you feel this, this movement happening in our government, then you can, you can begin to um, bring comfort and a solid place of confidence in your faith because Jesus is going to reign with the government on his shoulder one of these days. And I know that we don't see that happening in our government right now, but listen, it can happen in your life. Your government, the rulership over your life can rest on his shoulders right now and he can be your king. And so before we take communion today, I just want to, to encourage you to allow that truth to impact your soul. To allow it to begin to pervade just past the noise of what's going on in your life right now. And I even want to ask you just bow your head and close your eyes. Before we take communion, we're going to pray. And I want you to consider this question today. Is Jesus your king? Is he yours? And if this is the moment where you need to make Jesus Christ the king of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And if that's where you're at right now, I just want to ask you to just raise your hand. Just in acknowledging that, that Jesus, I want to make you the king and the Lord of my life. And listen, as you do that, that's the place of salvation. That's the place of new birth. What Paul says in Romans, he says, if, if you want to be saved... Believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess him as Lord of your life and you will be saved. And it's in that place that faith 
meets the reality of who Jesus is, and you're born again. And so, Father, I just pray for every single person who's making a decision to make you as king of their life today. And I ask you, God, that you would touch them in such a way that they'll never be the same. I pray, Father, that you would give them confidence by your spirit to begin to have relationship with you, but also to have the willingness to follow you, Jesus, as their Lord. To allow you to rule over their life in every single aspect of their life. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in just a second, Pastor Bo's going to lead us in worship, and I encourage you to take communion. But listen, if you've made one of those decisions today, and you'd like to talk to somebody, we have a book that we would love to give you. Come talk to somebody out in the foyer and Guest Connect. We'd love to pray with you, send you home with a book, and answer any questions that you have. Amen?